Com. Here's the latest from Cairo 7 Eyewitness News. This is Margot Myers. Police say the 32-year-old gunman who opened fire at an Amish school in Pennsylvania today had left suicide notes for his wife and children. They say he was seeking revenge for something that happened 20 years ago. He lined up a dozen female students at the blackboard after letting the boys go. Three of those students are dead. Seven others are wounded. He then shot and killed himself. A slight delay in getting home for the Seahawks early this morning. The team plane had to stop in South Dakota on its return from Chicago. That was due to a medical emergency. No word on exactly who required medical attention. The plane continued on to Seattle after that stop. More than 3,200 condo and apartment units have been built in downtown Seattle since 2001, but more than twice that many units are in the pipeline. 6,000 more units are being planned right now. Complete coverage and Andy Wappler's pinpoint weather tonight on Cairo 7 Eyewitness News at 5, 6, and 11. You want to be up to date on the latest news, but you don't want to spend all day hearing about the minutia or spin. Well, now you can get the facts fast from the most respected name in news, CNN, with our quick updates at the top of the hour featuring the information you want, news, traffic, and weather without all the blather you don't want. So stick with Alternative Talk 1150 AM for your favorite shows and the information you need without all the baggage you don't. Alternative Talk 1150 AM, now better than ever. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Eric Reiner here with you on Alternative Talk, 11.50 a.m. with a look at your Cairo 7 pinpoint forecast. Looks like Tuesday will be mostly cloudy, few early showers and afternoon sun breaks, highs near 60 degrees. Expect partly sunny weather and highs in the low 60s for the rest of the work week and the coming weekend. Views expressed on the following program are those of the hosts, guests and callers and are not necessarily those of this station, its management or other advertisers. This is Alternative Talk, 11.50 a.m. And welcome to Interfaith Talk Radio, being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide on Alternative Talk 1150 AM and streaming at interfaithtalkradio.com. We're continuing a dialogue on interfaith understanding and a shared spiritual quest. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon. I'm Pastor Don McKenzie. And Brother Jamal Rahman is not with us today in the studio, but either Pastor Don or I might at any moment channel him. So um, just be aware of that. This show is the first one that we are pre-recording, so there won't be an availability of any call-ins. We are pre-recording it because it is airing on the afternoon of Yom Kippur, the Jewish Day of Atonement, which is a day when I'm busy in worship the entire day. It happens that Pastor Don is out of town that day, so we decided to come in a little bit early and record this show. I could say a few words about the energy of the day during which you are listening to the show. Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement, sometimes called the Day of Atonement, and it's the conclusion of the Ten Days of Awe, which mark the holiest time in the Jewish year. 
begins with Rosh Hashanah, the new year. It's a far less raucous celebration of a new year than our secular new year of January 1st. It's a day of considering the nature of the lives we are living, owning up as honestly as we can to our failings, renewing our commitments to discovering more fully the integrity of our being and visioning ways in which we might walk that integrity into our world. The entire 10-day period is called the, the day, they're the days of awe, and it's a time of teshuvah, which means an inner turning, a return to the essence of our being, to the essential nature of the one we are. So we thought that it would be good to focus on the nature of ultimate reality during the time we share on this day. In other words, to talk about that being that we refer to when we use the word God. And of course, the word conjures up all different kinds of images and non-images, all kinds of memories, young and old, all kinds of history, and sometimes all kinds of battles as people battled against each other, having different notions of what that God was. So I'd like to begin, Pastor Don, by asking you what your image of God is and how has it changed over the years? Well, Rabbi Ted, I think that's an enormously important question. I think if any of us stops to think about that, uh, it's surprising to realize that many of us are stuck in a sort of a a place of maybe six or seven years old where uh, the word God evokes the image of an old guy in the clouds. Maybe even light coming through, something like that. Certainly something beneficial, certainly patriarchal. The word Father is uh, used in Scripture to make reference to God. Um, and here we are, you know, much later in life, and and yet, for me, I would confess the word God, if you just say it to me, mm -hmm. the first image that comes to mind is one that is still with me. It's a vestige of my childhood. So I need to keep remembering that I hope I've grown since I first even thought about what that word means. And... um so for me, I would say today, first of all, I have to remember that God is neither male nor female. At our church, University Congregational United Church of Christ, when we say the Lord's Prayer, we say, Our Father, Our Mother, who art in heaven, to uh, illustrate that. Uh, neither word is uh, complete in reference to God. But the, my favorite reference to God these days is the phrase that you use, Rabbi Ted, Holy One of Being, which expands my understanding of uh, the creative, the redeeming nature of God, the healing nature of God, the inclusive 
I would say, inclusive nature of God. Um, I would say my my image of God did begin to change when I was probably about 21. I'd been working in Egypt as a lifeguard at the Nile Hilton Hotel, believe it or not, college program. And I took a plane to Lebanon and uh, was up in the mountains above Beirut. And I could see from where I was standing all of Beirut and the Mediterranean. Mm. And as far as you can imagine, it was just an amazing sort of experience of oneness, actually. I mean, it sort of came upon me um, as if by magic, uh, as if by um, grace, you might say. And for in a split second, I began to expand my sense from away from that patriarchal old man in the cloud sense to something new. And I would say I'm still on that path today. Well, I really appreciate that. It's one of the difficulties in language is that every time we use words, we are separating we are fragmenting the nature of the reality we perceive or the nature of the reality we understand. <clears throat> and one of the difficulties is, is understanding, like, the difference between God is one and God as oneness. When we talk about God as one, then there's this tendency to picture this God out there. And since we're made in the image of the divine, is what the text says, so we imagine, well, God must have a shape, something like ours. And then we wonder, well, is God a masculine shape or a feminine shape or both shapes? You know, how, it's like, how does this work? And what's the relationship between creature and creator? I think that you're absolutely right that the, the words fail us, actually. The, the, the word God is a word that fills in a space that is held by our actual inability to to say uh, who and what God is. So if that's the case, how does God function? How do you experience God functioning in your life? Good question. I mean, I, I think that any time I experience uh, love mm. or a feeling of um, being renewed, uh, energized, um, held... Um, any kind of revelation that gives me perspective, anything that that we could use the word healing to point toward uh, would be that kind of experience. And, uh, of course, I've learned, as you have uh, over time, that that takes practice, that it doesn't just happen as if by magic, that, in fact, focusing on uh, the divine... In, as far as we are able, um, creating um, moments during the day, for example, when we are quiet, if we can be in this chaotic and noisy world, uh, even sitting down lighting a candle for five minutes mm -hmm. uh, helps to uh, point my soul toward that one and gives me, uh, I think, over time, a greater sense of the um, mystery, the providence the love, the redeeming powers, uh, the healing powers of the Holy One of Being, as mm. you say. Yeah. When you read uh, reports of God talking to people, say in the Bible, how do you understand those? <laughs> Good question. I mean, I, I think um, you know one of the important 
uh, dimensions of Scripture is the command to listen. And there's a great uh, passage in the book of the prophet Samuel where Samuel runs into Eli, who is in the temple, and Samuel's his apprentice, I guess. And Samuel said, you called me. And Eli says, no, I didn't go back to bed. And the third time, Eli realizes that Samuel is hearing the voice. Mm-hmm. Now, we could take that a number of different ways, either metaphorically or literally, perhaps. But I think it's the metaphoric version that means the most, because God does reach out to us in a variety of different ways. And I think hearing God speaking, so to speak, I'm speaking metaphorically again, is something that we can actually do if we're practicing the presence of God. Um, and, you know, this was this story I just mentioned is circa 1000 B.C., B.C.E. So this is not something new. This is at least 3,000 years old. But how would you answer that question? I, mean, I think it's a good one. Well, I was going to wait till the next segment of the show, actually, to answer the question. But, um, you know, one of the things I've heard you say uh, has to do with the work of Julian Jaynes, right. uh, the origin of consciousness in the bicameral mind, where his thesis is that there was a time when the connection between the right and left hemispheres of the human brain were not made to the extent they are now, the corpus callosum, the main connective tissue, and what we experience as intuited insight, what we experience as kind of a holistic awakening. For example, as you described when you were in Lebanon, uh, may have been experienced as the intrusion of another consciousness. Exactly. So that when somebody said, God told me, that had, a, that had to have a referent for enough people to be operative in the communication of the time. Right. Unfortunately, the metaphor doesn't translate into the consciousness of our time, and we start arguing about what God said from ancient reports and ancient understandings, rather than really looking into ourselves and saying, okay, on what dimension can we understand this, and on what dimension can we appreciate this? So this is Interfaith Talk Radio. We are talking today about the nature of ultimate being, daring to talk a little bit as directly as possible about that which is beyond words and beyond language, talking about God. Please listen to our sponsors' messages. They allow us to talk about God and all kinds of things. And we'll be back with you in a few minutes. If you're striving toward better health and wellness, don't miss the Alive Expo, Saturday and Sunday, October 21st and 22nd at the Seattle Center Exhibition Hall. Attend lectures by leading experts in natural medicine. Watch healthy cooking demonstrations. Get a free massage and receive tons of free product samples. If a natural and organic approach to nutrition, fitness, and wellness are important to you, you have to attend the Alive Expo at the Seattle Center Exhibition Hall, Saturday and Sunday, October 21st and 22nd. For more details or to order tickets, visit AliveExpo.com. That's AliveExpo.com. Do you suffer from stress, headaches, back pain, digestive pain, or other chronic problems? Allow Sue Woodward to help you realize the vitality and wholeness your body naturally wants to express using gentle, restorative methods. 
Sue invites you to call her at the Acupuncture and Healing Arts Clinic for a free consultation. 425-451-8129. That's 425-451-8129. The University Congregational United Church of Christ, located at 4515 16th Avenue Northeast, right across from the Burke Museum, wants you to know that it is a liberal and inclusive congregation waiting to welcome you to worship, education, fellowship, and service. We need your help to say yes to God's purposes. For more information, log on to universityucc.org. That's universityucc.org. Or call 206-524-2322. That's 206-524-2322. Are you ready to kick your life up a notch? Tired of just surviving? The award-winning Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By, is your way to living the life you want without regrets, without limitations. This empowering, inspirational show with dynamic host Dr. Pat Vasily will leave you shouting, Yes, I can. Dr. Pat is a master career and belief coach, dynamic seminar leader, and creator of Crust Busting. Listen to The Dr. Pat Show on AM 1150 KKNW, Monday through Friday, 11 to noon, and worldwide on www.thedrpatshow.com. No other station brings you this much variety. Welcome to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And this is Interfaith Talk Radio being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. You can find more information about Pastor Don myself, Rabbi Ted Falcon, and Brother Jamal Rahman, on our website, interfaithtalkradio.com. You can join us there for discussion about any of the issues which we raise on the air, and also you're welcome to contribute questions and issues that you would like us to talk about. We aim to have... uh, an expanding dialogue, although today's show has been pre-recorded, because you are hearing it on the afternoon of Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Jewish year. Yom Kippur called the Shabbat Shabbaton, the Sabbath of Sabbaths, because the most important holiday in Jewish tradition is the Sabbath. And so Yom Kippur, to indicate its holiness, It's the Sabbath of Sabbaths. Whether or not it comes on a Friday, it's still referred to as the rest, you know, the of rests, the letting go, um, which is reflected in the act of forgiveness, the act of atonement, and the experience of at-one-ment. So we're talking today about that at-one-ment and looking into the nature of our beliefs about ultimate reality, about God. And as we are talking, one of the, it seems to me one of the realities is that when one enters that consciousness, a consciousness of oneness, the boundaries <clears throat> between one time and another are lifted we are able to connect beyond the usual fragmentation, the boundaries between one space and another grow more and more transparent. And in this case, the boundary between one studio and another grows more and more transparent. So we have with us Diana Rose, who is the program director at KWJZ, 
Smooth Jazz 98.9. And she's probably a voice that many of you have heard, but I don't think she gets to talk about God very much on, on her show. <laughs> yeah, so you're right about that. We thought we'd like to welcome her here as the boundaries between one space and another <laughs> grow thinner and bring her into a discussion about the nature of God. So how does all this sound to you, Diana? Well, you know, um, as I was listening to the two of you talk about it, of course, I was reflecting on it myself, and I think it changes with age. I think as a child, there's, uh, you know, I don't know that much about child psychology, but I think it's as a child, as you try to understand the world around you, you often assign things to, you know, on a human dimension. Kind of like um, the Greeks did with um, the different gods to explain thunder and the sun going up and down each day. And uh, so I think as a child, you, you personify God as a, as a parent, a little bit more parental, you know. Um, and I think that's what I did as a child. I was, I was lucky enough to be brought up in, in quite a metaphysical um, environment. And so it was not as traditional and so my mind was able to stretch a little bit more. And for me, as I grew up, and, and in a lot of respects what I do now when I think about God or the higher power or whatever name you want to assign to it, it depends on my state of mind. If I'm in a very quiet, centered state of mind, I almost like to use the analogy of electricity. It is a vibration that permeates and is everywhere, and it's a matter of how much I want to be plugged in mm. to how much of that light I will let shine through me. Mm. And it just is. And in its wholeness, it just vibrates. And um, then there are times, if I am not in such a centered, attuned space, where I need the higher being to be parental where I need God to be more like a mother-father, where I am just not in a good state and I need to just say, help me. Um, I need it to be a little bit more left brain. I have a problem. I need you to help me fix it. Um, where, um, whereas if I am um, in a more common-centered space, then it's just more of a connection. It's just connecting to that higher being that permeates everything everywhere so uh, i think that's that's how it's evolved from childhood where i think it was a little bit more parental and now it it sort of depends on my state of mind at yeah. the time <clears throat> i really appreciate that brother jamal often says quotes uh tradition in islam that uh, talks about the world not appearing as it is but we we don't see the world as it is we see the world as i am or as we are mm -hmm. the world reflects back to us the nature of our own being and what i hear you saying is that that's also true when one considers ultimate reality or one considers the nature of god uh what we are perceiving to be the nature of god may reflect back to us the level of consciousness or the level of awareness that we're on the more uh, open we are, the more inclusive our awareness, then the more able we are to understand the more inclusive aspects of a divine energy. You know, and, oh, yeah. Sorry, I just, I just thought of, a, of the movie um, Oh God with John uh -huh. Denver and yeah. George Burns. When George Burns appeared as God to John Denver and he's like, 
you know, this is you. This is what you look right. like. And I think something from the film, uh, the line was something like, well, this is what you imagined me to be. I am presenting myself kind of like how you created me to be in your mind. So um, it's, it's a projection, right. really, right. of uh, our understanding. So the difficulty we get into is that a lot of that there are people then who say that, ah, human beings create God mm. in their own image mm. rather than God creating human beings. Well, you know, in, in some respects, I think that is true. Historically, we have kind of created this profile of what we think God to be in an image that kind of reflects who we are. It typically patriarchal in clothing or on a throne or, or something like that because that's our level of understanding and it's very hard for some you know of us uh, at times to be able to comprehend that the higher being is what our perception of it is is just the tip of an iceberg and we couldn't possibly completely comprehend it and even if you said as you said when you assign a word to it it limits it Right. It is so beyond what the words could even explain it to be. And the words don't define the essence of what it is. The words just help us define it for ourselves. Right. In Jewish tradition, the, there is a word for God which is not to be spoken. And right. it's comprised of the four Hebrew letters, yud He vav He. And instead of whenever we get to that word in a prayer text or in a biblical text, we substitute a whole other word. So we read it as Adonai, which is a word that literally means Lord, and we don't pronounce yud heh vav uh, We stopped pronouncing it in the days of the Second Temple. So this is 6th century BCE, when consciousness developed to the point of understanding that every time we name something, we draw a circle around it. Mm -hmm. And everything that fits in the name is inside the circle, everything that doesn't fit in the name is outside. What happens... If you have a being <clears throat> outside of which there is nothing. So you can't make a name. So over the ages, scholars have tried to figure out what's the pronunciation of the yud he vav he, those four letters. Some had mistakenly thought Jehovah, which is really taking the vowels of the Hebrew word Adonai and putting them with the letters of yud he vav he. So that hmm. was just a... It, it wasn't Jehovah. Of course, you didn't have a, you don't have a J sound in Hebrew anyway. So, um, but there are scholars who think it's Yahweh or Yahweh. Um, I personally am sure it's not that. But even if it were, I wouldn't want to use it. So when there are translations or when there are discussions of Jewish God or the God of the Hebrew Bible, and people use th that um, name, I think that misses the whole point. That we're talking about something that simply is beyond our capacity to name. However, we can talk about different facets of that. So one of the problems talking about God is that every time we talk about it, we are talking from a place of duality. And it's very difficult to utilize language to talk about something that is not itself a duality, that is itself absolutely inclusive, absolutely connected. So, in the Torah, there's one place where Moses asks God God's name. Nobody ever asked, asked, the, asked the question. So he's, he's being asked to go tell the people, you know, to 
go tell Pharaoh to let the people out, take them across the wilderness, escape from enslavement of that ancient Egypt. And he says to God, I'm going to go down there. They're going to say, who sent you? Who shall I say sent me? And the answer is instant. It's just it's quick. It's not a question. It's not anything. It's just, Ehiyah asher Ehiyah. I am as I am. Go down there and tell them I am sent you. Now, that's real interesting use of language. First of all, the only pronoun that could be used for God would be first person singular because every other pronoun assumes a, a duality. So if you don't have a duality, if you have a unity, it can only be first person singular. And the other is, of course, nobody asked Moses. But to come down and to speak with that conviction of identity, which must have been the case, drew the following that Moses had to draw. And so I think whenever any of us express the that fullness of intent, of integrity, of clarity, we are in fact speaking with the name of God. We are engaged today in Interfaith Talk Radio with talking about what we think about the nature of ultimate reality. And we are about to take a break. I'd like to remind you that the music you hear as we enter into our breaks and come out, the music is from a group called Ancient Sounds, led by Gary and Margot Letham. Uh, we will have a time when we will have them on the show so that they could share a little bit more completely some of the melodies you hear. And we'll be right back. Commonly known as NICO, Northwest Interfaith Community Outreach traces its history to the first anniversary of 9-11. Committed to promoting interfaith dialogue and understanding, its purpose is captured in its mission statement, celebrating spirit through interfaith collaboration and compassionate works of justice in the world. For information on how to get involved, go to InterfaithTalkRadio.com and click on NICO. The United Church of Christ wants you to know about the God is Still Speaking campaign, a national effort to let everyone know that this denomination welcomes everyone, no matter what, to the worship of God and the service of the church. We believe that God has much, much more to tell us about the good news of the gospel of Jesus and about what love can do to help us with this beautiful but troubled world. To find out more, log on to www.ucc.org slash index .php. We wish you blessings for your life. Enter the realm of true and ancient metaphysical teachings for the modern world. Delve deeper and discover how you can be empowered by the teachings, initiations, and activations offered by the Rocky Mountain Mystery School. Register now for Unmasking the Goddess, How to Meet the Divine, and other programs November 8th through the 12th in Seattle. For more information, call 206-508-3810 or go to mysteryschoolnw.com. Open your ears, open your heart, open your mind. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And this is Interfaith Talk Radio. 
on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, streaming at interfaithtalkradio.com. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Protestant minister talking about the nature of interfaith dialogue and the spirituality that we share. And today we are talking about the nature of ultimate reality. This is Yom Kippur. This is the day of atonement. This is the day of letting go of the barriers that separate, the boundaries that define us as exclusive entities, even as exclusive traditions. Letting go of that and letting ourselves be embraced by a greater one. And we are working to talk about that, which ultimately can't be talked about. In the, in the education I received as a rabbi in rabbinical school, nobody ever asked us whether we believed in God. <clears throat> and I was always convinced they, they didn't ask us because they were afraid what the answers might be. Because those were the days of uh, a a real reliance on rationality. And a more mystical kind of response would not only have not been pleasing, but it really wouldn't have fit in that context. In those days, I was a student representative on a faculty committee that went over applications for new students. And one of the things that students could say on their application, which would automatically um, have them suspect, would be if they answered the question, why do you want to be a rabbi, by God called me. That was like, uh, that, that must be mentally, mental illness. And when we came into the school, they had us meet with a psychiatrist to make sure that we were sane, because if we said things like that at that time, they would consider that that was a sign of some kind of mental instability. Interestingly enough, the Catholic seminary, this was Cincinnati, Ohio, this was in the uh, 60s, Um, the Catholic seminary did the same thing. The Protestant seminaries in Cincinnati, there you could say, God called me. And, of course, there came a time when I got embarrassed looking back I mean, some years later, when I started to awaken to a radically different view of the universe uh, and me and what this is all about, I started feeling embarrassed about some of the stances that I'd had and some of the processes, the things I knew with such certainty. There got to be a place where just as you described, Pastor Don, with that awakening to oneness, you know, a notion that all the boundaries that we perceive, all the differences that we perceive, function on a level of our ego identity, but in some respects are not adequate uh, do not offer us adequate definitions of the nature of all of reality. For the rationalist, there is a being called God who is greater than anything else, 
and we human beings are lesser entities. So the, the rationalists would sometimes uh, uh, take a deist position where God created the universe and then left, you know, and there's, there's nobody in charge anymore, or uh, God is the designer who set things in motion but can't uh, affect that motion once it's been set, set uh, happening. The mystic of all traditions sees that everything is totally connected. So to talk about God out there is ridiculous. There's nothing but God. There's a line in Torah that says, Adonai Huha Elohim, which is to say, the holy, the total transcendent one of being is the same as the one who awakens with each one, within each one of us as the spark of life, the spark of divinity. We call it the presence. Um, that deepest truth of each being. So it's our God. It's my God. But it's the same. It's just a spark of the same radiance. It's a drop of the same ocean. It's a fragment of the same consciousness. There just isn't any other awareness. There isn't any other life. There's one life, and it is, it is expressing as everything that is. And that's a whole different thing. So that that one manifests on this level as the many. If one says, what is the face of God? Well, every human being, where's the face of God? Each of us carries the face of God. Where are the hands of God? Each of us are wearing the hands of God. We are the hands of God on earth. And what we do with our hands determines whether God is able to heal or God is able to destroy. We are able to channel energies of wholeness and healing, and we are also able to channel energies of violence and destruction. So that, to a mystic's view, so to speak, God needs the human being as much as the human being needs God. It's radically a radically different perspective from a more rational theology. And speaking from the mystical point of view, we have the ability to manifest more of godliness in our lives and in our planet. And for some of us, some of us perceive that that is the only way that we can heal our planet, that we can heal our world. That's the only way we can heal the great divisions between people and between peoples. By awakening to that life, we always are sharing. Beyond and behind the fragmentation, beyond and behind the different points of view, beyond and behind the politics, we are expressions of one life and need to create contexts in which we can meet each other at that level and appreciate that. So that what gets called the golden rule is not something that comes from an external authority, but something which awakens naturally out of the awareness of that oneness. From that oneness comes the awareness that whatever I do to another, I am essentially doing to myself. 
And when I'm supporting another, I am supporting all others, and I am supporting myself. When I am violent toward another, I am hurting all others, and I am hurting myself. That I am a participant in a shared adventure. You know, I, I'm keenly aware of a uh, couple things that each of you has said. I appreciated what Diana said about how we respond to the word God differently at different moments in our life, um, both in terms of stages of our lives, but also just whatever happens to be happening in the day, whether it's serene or chaotic and so forth. And um, I think those those vibrations help me to see uh, the great spectrum of, of of possible responses to the word. Also, I'm struck by your notion, Ted, the thing that you said about the problem of the inclusive nature of God in the context of a world where we're making choices constantly between this or that, mm-hmm. we or they, polarizations, all kinds of things where our actual moral resp- sensibility is based on not this but that, making choices, but it's still God is not not this or that, but God is the one. And so there's a fundamental challenge of how we integrate the inclusive nature of God within a world where we're always making choices and in a world where, frankly, we're thinking different things at different moments of the day when, when we right. hear the word God. We are multidimensional yeah. beings, right? and we keep entering the various dimensions. It's like we're never done with those. Diana actually is having a more direct experience of that life, and uh, it's he is called Nathan. <laughs> Yes. And Nathan is how old now? Ten, ten and a half months. Ten and a half. Nathan is a beautiful child, and to look into Nathan's eyes is to be reminded of that life that's shared. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we return after these messages. This is Interfaith Talk Radio, sharing a conversation about God today. Time Magazine says NLP has untapped potential for treating individual problems and is becoming an all-purpose self-improvement program and technology. Come experience NLP for yourself at the Empowerment Partnerships Accelerated NLP Practitioner Training in Seattle, Washington, October 8th through the 14th. Since 1982, the Empowerment Partnership has taught thousands of people like you create critical transformations in areas that count most, relationships, health, wealth, and state of mind. If you want to increase your creative energy, get control of your life, and enjoy new levels of existence, call 1-800-800-MIND. That's 1-800-800-MIND. Or go to NLP.com. That's NLP.com. Mention the Dr. Pat Show when you call to receive a special discount. Unity of Bellevue is an inclusive community for spiritual growth, where all are valued, where positive attitudes are developed, where spiritual laws of life are taught, where consciousness is cultivated, where self-awareness is enhanced, and where the bonds of fellowship are enriched. Join us for our Sunday celebrations on Bellevue's east side. Visit our website at www.unityofbellevue.org. NCD, a new oral detoxification product that reduces the effects of environmental toxicity and can help millions across the globe. Natural Cellular Defense is an effective oral detoxifier, a tool in the fight against toxicity. 
Join our Copious Health team to raise awareness about environmental toxicity and this safe new product. Go to copioushealth.com or call 206-423-6596. That's 206-423-6596. Copioushealth.com. Many people who come to a Unity Church feel like they've come home. We invite you to one of the many great Puget Sound Unity Churches in Bellevue, Edgewood, Kent, Linwood, Seattle, or Woodenville. For links to these Unity Churches and others, visit unity.org. We welcome you to join us at Unity of Woodenville. Visit unityofwoodenville.org. Finally, a negotiation seminar designed specifically for women. Whether you're stuck asking for a raise, seeking a promotion, or simply want to go to the movie that you want to see once in a while, this groundbreaking seminar with Lee Miller, based on his best-selling book, A Woman's Guide to Successful Negotiating, is coming to Seattle on October 19th. Stop feeling powerless and victimized by people because you don't know how to ask for what you want. Learn three keys to successful negotiating, ten most common mistakes women make, body language that impresses, six ways to influence anyone, things never to do when negotiating with a man, and more. Call 1-800-599-4950 or go to srinstitute.com forward slash co209. That number again, 1-800-599-4950 or srinstitute.com forward slash co209. More talk, less rock. Come on, that's a good thing. Alternative Talk, 11.50 a.m. And welcome back to Interfaith Talk Radio. We're here today. I'm Rabbi Ted Falcon. I'm Pastor Don McKenzie. And we are here with our studio partner from the next studio over, uh, Diana Rose from KWJZ Smooth Jazz 98.9 offering her the opportunity to share her golden voice on our show and talk about things that she doesn't get much time to talk about. That's true, yeah. And uh, when we took our break, we were talking about the way that God presence is just radiates from the being of an infant. Mm-hmm. And your infant is named... Nathan, yes, ten and a half months old, and you get to see like a divine life mm-hmm. awakening in a particular and limited form, mm-hmm. and it's almost like watching the frustration sometimes of that life when it tries to adjust, like what's going on here? How do I use these hands and these feet and this mouth and this you know, and starting to move beyond the simple instincts that lead to survival at the very beginning and make choices and make decisions and recognize faces and mm. laugh and respond. It is, and it has been, and it will continue to be, um, a, a privilege to be able to witness these miracle moments of awareness and understanding when you can, you can almost see the synaptic connections in his brain where he gets something for the first time. And now that he's crawling and he can able to impact his environment a little bit more, how his level of expectation has gone up because he expects to be able to do more because he knows he has that ability. And, and just kind of the purity in 
his expression. Uh, he's not quite at the terrible two stage where he has some levels of manipulation. Ooh, I can kind of, you know, get this to work on my um, behalf. But it's more of a pure sense. You know, when he's hungry, he cries out. Right. When he's happy, he laughs. When he's angry because I've left his line of sight, he yells in anger. And it is in its purest sense. There's no ulterior motive. There's no uh, manipulation per se, except, of course, he hopes that when he yells right. at me, I'll come back. Right. But it, there is just this um, honesty. There is this honesty about it. and uh, He is being who he is yeah, in the moment, and exactly. that's what's happening. He could be crying and screaming one moment, and he could be laughing in another moment. Kids yeah. are like that even when they get sick. When yeah. they get sick, they could get real sick right away, and then they can get over it yeah. very quickly. And it's, like, astonishing to watch. Yeah. You've got to pay very close attention because <laughs> they're changing at every moment. And, and they're not overthinking it. Right. They just are. Right. You know? And something he started to do the other day, which, uh, which I'm sure has more profound meaning, um, he laughs when I laugh. The hmm. other day... Uh, he happened to do something that just cracked me up, and he looked at me, and he started laughing too. Uh. You know, and so I actually tried that out when we were uh, driving in the car the other day, and he was in a fussy state. I just started laughing, uh-huh. and I watched. I have these mirrors so I can see his uh, his face in the car seat, and I just started laughing, and I watched him, and he went from kind of a fussy, grumpy face to kind of a oh, okay. We're shifting, and wow. then he started laughing. Aww. You know, he just picked up on the energy and uh, tuned into it. You know, and it was just so charming. And uh, what's interesting that when we were talking earlier about what were our thoughts of the uh, awareness of God and what that meant to us and how that changes through time, it will be interesting when he gets to that stage where he's trying to understand certain things some of which I may be able to explain and some of which I may not. Right. And how I will expose him to at least my awareness of that higher being and um and how to make it you know age appropriate you know uh for his for his needs at the time you know it's fun to think about the possibility diana that when god laughs or when we laugh it may be because we're vibrating in the same way that nathan laughs because you're laughing there's this thing out there that we connect to that empties us, you know, and in, in some ways, of course, that's what Yom Kippur is about. It's an emptying and filling to start over and be recreated. So right. I love that image of he laughs because you do. Yeah. And one could say when, when a person laughs, God laughs. Mm-hmm. And when a person weeps, God weeps. Amen. Yeah. For the mystic, one participates in the life of God and the life of God participates in each of us. So there's no separation. All separations are um, almost imaginary. They're, they're operational because we need to work with them on this level in order to survive. But we need to know them for what they are. It's just like our separate sense of self is an operational form called the ego or the personality or the persona. But when we mistake that for our deeper identity, we get ourselves in, and our world into all kinds of trouble. I wanted to touch upon something that uh, the pastor uh, made reference to earlier about the gender mm. of God and how 
in your church and in some other locations they say father mother mm-hmm. and uh and and how that is quite an argument you know because traditionally god is perceived as male and some could argue it's because of the the scholars who wrote the religious works were male and so therefore it went through their filters and um and the the other philosophy of the the femininity of the higher being and the fact that it's not either or but both um i just thought maybe two of you could address that well i think um you're right that it was much of scripture was written during the beginning of a kind of patriarchal period in human history um but at least in my tradition we believe that no one word can uh, be used to point to god completely so whereas the word father is one one of those words there the word mother from my point of view would be equally appropriate which is why we we believe it's okay to say our father comma our mother who art in heaven um because um that reflects that inclusive uh, sense of God that would be missing in 2006 w- without that. We have some difficulty in uh, Judaism because Hebrew has no neuter. There's no, there's no form of it in the Hebrew language. Everything, all of reality is either masculine or feminine. Uh, neuter was a Greek concept which actually started splitting off the physical and the spiritual which I think has given us a lot of difficulty in terms of how we think about who we are and our place in the universe. If everything's masculine and feminine, then yes, reality is father and mother, brother and sister, uh, husband and wife. It, it is, it's always a dynamic. So within the Jewish tradition, the absolute transcendent aspect of God, the yud heh vav uh, the name that's not pronounced is viewed as masculine. And the indwelling presence, the Shekhinah, is viewed as feminine. Hmm. So the one manifesting as the many is seen as the feminine aspect. The one contain, who contains it is masculine. Is that really masculine and feminine? It's just that it takes that to be whole. So we imagine it as masculine and feminine energies because we have, you know, the man wears the masculine on the outside and the feminine on the inside. A woman wears the feminine on the outside and the masculine on the inside, and we become whole beings. It's sort of like magnetic energy, which is positive and negative, not in the sense of good or bad, but there's both. And um, so it just um, allows there to be a balance I believe, between, you know, if we are representations of both masculine and feminine, then, of course, the source must include both. Absolutely. I'd like to mention uh, at Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue, which uh, is accessible at jewishspiritualcommunity.com, we strive to express universal teachings rooted in Jewish tradition. Views expressed on the preceding program are not necessarily... Um, uh, to support a greater spiritual journey for all who attend. And I'd like to mention that this Friday, October 6th at 7.30, we meet at Unity of Bellevue. We celebrate the Harvest Festival of Sukkot. 
uh, ingathering of fruit and ingathering of spirit. And this Sunday, October 8th, we are celebrating with the Muslim community a convergence of Ramadan and the Hebrew month of Tishri at an interfaith Habitat for Humanity build in West Seattle. And you can that'll be Sunday after late afternoon, October eighth. You can find out more about that at Jewish Spiritual Community dot com. Usually we've been ending our show with a spiritual practice, and it seems that the obvious practice for a day of Yom Kippur and for a new year is a practice called practicing the presence. Like practicing the presence of being. Don mentioned lighting a candle and sitting in silence. One might just sit in silence. But the practice is just being. Allowing. Accepting. Taking five or ten minutes every day not to try to do something other than whatever's happening. And sit quietly, focus on your breathing, and let your mind do whatever it wants to do. Let your sensations be aware of whatever is coming up. Let the feelings be what they are. Let the judgments be what they are without trying to change anything. Just taking a moment to practice what the present is for you. Because practicing the present is the, one of the clearest paths to practicing the presence. When we are present, we are able to express, to connect and to express a greater degree of our integrity and our unique gifts. This is Interfaith Talk Radio. We look forward to seeing you next week on Monday at 5. Thanks for listening. Shalom. Views expressed on the preceding program are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. This is Alternative Talk, 1150 KKNW, Seattle. This is Beatrice with your Alternative Talk, 1150 Traffic Update. 90 East and West are both clear. 520 East looks good until some heavy congestion from 51st into Redmond. 520 West is stop and go from 405 to the bridge. I-5 South is looking really good, just a short length of congestion from 405 South to 188. I-5 North, you'll find some heavy traffic in between Yesler Way and 520 and again from 45th up to Mount Lake Terrace. 405 South is stop and go from 520 down to 112. 405 North is heavy around Tequila and again from 520 North to 85th Street and again after 522 up to 527. CNN Radio, I'm Stan Case. A gunman who killed three young girls at a school in Pennsylvania's Amish country carried three guns, two knives, and hundreds of rounds of ammunition. Police are still working this evening to determine what set off the killing spree. Our Lisa Goddard is live in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, to bring us the latest. Stand the Amish, some of whom live by candle and lantern, are under one of their darkest nights in recent history, with 11 young girls shot in their schoolhouse, eight of them still fighting to survive. The man who did it? 
known for picking up their milk for sale. Charles Roberts was 32 and saw his own children safely off to their school bus this morning before going to the Amish school, binding the girls, shooting them, and killing himself. Police say there may be a revenge motive, focusing more on young women than on Amish, but they're not giving details yet. Reporting live, Lisa Goddard, CNN, Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania. The attorney for former Republican Congressman Mark Foley insists his client does not prey on children. He is absolutely, positively not a pedophile. He is apologetic for the community.